When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, Outkick 360, ready to go. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. The crew is all here. Lance Lee is back. Jakob Swanson and David Reed, the chairman of the board, ready to make the show happen for you. You can interact with us on Twitter at Outkick360. A lot to get to today. The NCAA has approved the one-time transfer. We'll discuss that coming up. Also, quarterback investment by teams across the NFL. That and much more, including the Tennessee Power Hour, an hour from now, right here on the Outkick Network. But first, gentlemen, good morning. I'm pissed off for greatness today. <laughs> I'm coming in hot. I'm not going to lie about it. Uh, some Twitter interactions got me going, got the blood pumping through the body. I'm ready for a big day. Paul, typically you're the one pissed off for greatness, but it's me today. Well, Paul, good morning. I, good morning. I had a, just a disastrous night last night caused by this plug. Right over here. I don't think you can see it in my shot. Trust me, it's right over there. And, uh, you know, often as soon as our show is over, we're engaged in riveting conversation. And I think yesterday I was engaged in riveting conversation with Hutton and Jacob. And um, so I unplugged the cord from my computer, but I did not unplug the box from over here. And alas, I left it uh, on the ground here. So you had no power. So I had no power, and I had a lot of work to do. I had a Blake Bettingfield file. You guys know these weekly files with uh, uh, scouting reports on prospects are big. There's a lot to do in terms of putting art in them and editing them down. So I have one full battery, and that's it. And so I was like, well, I'll get to Simon's baseball practice. I'll run over here. I, I presume this is where the cord was. Um, but then it looked like rain. I'm like, well, if it pours on this practice, the kid's got nowhere to go. So in my car, you guys know, in our old situation, I had to zoom from the car sometimes, and I had bought a setup where I could plug the computer in in the car with my adapter into the car adapter thing. And I'm like, okay, I can work in the car plugged into this car adapter, and it'll charge up the computer, so I'll be set. So I worked through the hour and a half practice, Got a lot of work done. Also wanted to set up the Mike Vrabel video that I've got him live on later today, 5 o'clock. Get home, leave the, leave the computer to charge in the car, the whole thing, eat dinner, come out and get the computer. It's got no charge. Like it kept, it kept it alive, but it didn't add any charge to it. So until 10 o'clock, I'm sitting in my driveway with the car running, <laughs> work. It just Fun time. Did anyone think that you were... <laughs> trying to commit suicide or something in your car? The a, you were, guy, you were out of the garage, so that's good news. You there's a guy in ass. It's not parked in his garage, the and the, the muffler's clear. So, yeah. Sir, can I help you? Someone's knocking on your <laughs> I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been surprised. So I was quite upset with myself. Um, and 
At least I had that. Otherwise, I would have had to come back here, which isn't that bad of a voyage. But I decided, once I decided not to come, then I was like all in on not coming. So I was all in on the car. Leather seats, at least. Well, here's quickly what has me upset. Hutton, you brought this up yesterday in our Tennessee Power Hour. We talked about the Titans not tweeting something out of congratulations to Eddie George, an acknowledgement about him getting the TSU job, and just how weird that was compared to the Cowboys' response, which was way over the top, to call him a Cowboys legend. (laughs) And this wasn't a lot of people. Which was you know, ridiculous for yeah, them to most, do. Yeah, most people just retweeted or well, liked it. And, and some people said, you know, that is weird that they wouldn't do that. No one was over the top angry or anything, which is fine. Not that we were over the top angry. We just brought it to everyone's attention that that, in fact, was the case. And the people who defend their team at all costs, I'm not talking about the players and the coaches and what happens on the field. I understand that now as a fanatic's psychology that you're going to defend your team against anyone that you perceive as attacking your team, your guys, right? I get that. But we're going to go out of our way to defend uh, the social media department for the team? Like, if I <laughs> saw that news, I would, I would just respond if I were a fan of the team and say, yeah, that is weird. Why don't you just tweet something out acknowledging it? Or just not comment at all. But to go that far all in that you're not just – with the players and coaches, but when the social media department does something stupid, we're going to have their back too, even if they do it. That, that's very odd to me. That's a part of the fan psychology that I haven't even encountered yet. Well, they shotgun beers with them in the in the pregame yeah, well, parking. That's, that's, that's one way. To, that's one way to get someone. Nate, Nate Bain is the head of the social media department, and he uh, he's very good at his job in some ways. He and he's endeared himself to. His bosses and to the fans in in some odd way. I don't know. Social media people have. And it could per- just be these are like his five friends. Like these could be minions of his that are coming after us with this. That that is a possibility. But let, let's it's be. It's not going to stop honest. me from pointing stuff like. No, of course not. Of course not. But the you guy could do no wrong. It's going to make me want to say it more. <laughs> like today, we're opening the damn show talking about it because people are fueling me now with this idiocy. <laughs> about this like that's it uh, to your point Hutton yeah I'm gonna say it more now if people are gonna have a problem with it but the guy, that's how this show operates uh, the, the guy can do no wrong I mean he shotgun beers with fans before a game which doesn't strike me as professional behavior from somebody who's got a at least semi-executive role with the team that, that didn't seem to rub anybody the wrong way um, he used to take shots at us on our radio show and we were the affiliate of of uh, Titans Ra- Titans Radio was you know the zone, and he would regularly take shots at us. We were fi- you know we're big boys that we didn't care, but that's not something that employee of the team should be doing. It's untoward, um, and and that that was his thing. So I don't know. He, he uh, odd bird to me. Well, I, I don't think it takes. It doesn't take a genius to understand what we're saying. When you bring it up, Hutton, or we talk, or we tweet it. It was out. obvious that it had been overlooked it, in, it's, a, in a it's massive either, way. I think it's an either a way. massive oversight. It's not but, an oversight because they retweeted something from TSU, so they thought right, about it. They, right. they, it was on the radar. Is it the end of the world that they don't tweet about? No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. If someone said, you know, when I norm, when I see this happen on social media, I just assume they're working on something much bigger. And if you guys are going to overreact over a few hours, a few hours, it was Sunday. This was out there. The news was out there on Sunday. The only reason I brought it's it up. Thursday, and they still haven't tweeted about it. I was going to bring up the Cowboys as the primary complaint yesterday for claiming 
Cowboys legend Eddie George is now the head coach at TSU. And to compare, I was going to go to the team that he's actually remembered playing for. As a legend. Who had retweeted the TSU headline, and that was it. So at least the Cowboys did something. That was good. that was my overall point yesterday. And we're at separating least they did something on social media. And we're separating social media from editorial. Jim Wyatt had a story out shortly after our show, which well, I'm sure was said, coincidental. Jim Wyatt has timing. a lot of respect for Eddie George. Well, and he was working on something, that I'm, and something else came up, uh, you know, behind the scenes for him, which is which is fine. But uh, life I, happens. I'm, I'm not talking about a story on the website. As much as I am just acknowledgement of something that's bigger than Sheamus winning a WWE title at WrestleMania. Yeah, and social media is immediate. Uh, the other element is not necessarily immediate. I uh, didn't write about it immediately e- either. Uh, you know, but I also don't work for the Titans. Um, guys, I thought of David Reed late last night. As you and often not do. For what you're As thinking. you often do. And not for the reasons you're I feel you're like thinking. you grow a beard, and then once you have a beard, you have these sort of visions and dreams of other men and with beards. Speaking of WWE, this uh, also reminds me of like a kendo stick fight. The very rare public golf course fight uh, that I found on, on Twitter, it, we can see it now on the screen that's about to play. We tweeted this at, uh, out, at Outkick360. You guys are seeing this for the first time. The gentleman's the shirt, game. Yeah, the gentleman's game. The shirt has been ripped off. Now, instead of just fighting back, the guy goes to the green, pulls the flag stick out, it's and now, starts whipping this guy with it. It's now a renaissance festival. Now, both of these guys lack some fighting skills, right? Like, th- this is something that they, maybe is on the prelim card for the the Logan Paul fight that's about to happen they lack uh, some on Saturday night. thinness as well. But, yes. Yeah, I, but, I love but the blonde very realistic. To break I, I bring it up because it's very realistic. And I also saw this and thought, is this what David Reed would look like angry <laughs> when, I, when this was sent to me? What do you think, Paul? I think David Reed would be more... Is he the puncher or is he the guy that's going to grab the... Oh, he's definitely, with his pro wrestling background, the guy (laughs) with the flagstick. I think he uh, would be more controlled. Look at everyone standing around, too. More controlled. Oh, it's quite a hottie. She sells tickets to that. There's lots of fact. This woman right here, a blonde woman that comes in at the end. What is she holding? Oh, I haven't noticed her What is she going to do? Is she with the golf course? Or is she on another? Yeah, she's got a hand up. She's she's like, hold it, It looks like she may be just a... Excuse me, sir, I have have your Bloody Mary. (laughs) She may be in a twosome on the other hole. That was Bud Lights are two for one right now. Uh, Sir, I have your hard seltzer. It's ready to go. She's like the the sash and a flashlight. I I love the the slight hesitation and then the decision to go grab the flagstick. It's it's really, I mean, this guy's playing chess and not checkers because (laughs) he's trying to lure the man to come in and engage him where he can punch him in the face repeatedly. And the way to do that was to whip him with the flagstick. So then instead of running, he charges the man. Yeah. And then he punches him repeatedly in the face. So it's like that was what got him over there. It's almost like you're trying to get a wild animal away from your kid. And you, like, lure it over and get it to chase you. And then you get, get it out of the way. The, the flagstick served as an apparatus to bring him closer to him where he could physically engage him. Here are my two thoughts on flagstick guy. Okay, first off. He, he comes initially, and he's holding the flagstick really yeah. almost at the base of the flagstick. Right. Which gives him too much flagstick, right? You can't control the flagstick with that much <coughs> flagstick. But after the initial swing, I don't know if he does it on purpose or it's from the result of the swing, he ends up choking up on the flagstick, <laughs> which is a much better technique. Like, because, like there's two strikes. Yes, like the two strikes. He's now protecting. He's not bunting. He's protecting the plate, and he's got better control over the flagstick. But what happens is yeah. his combatant, 
immediately gets close to him, which takes away the very weaponry of the now, flagstick because once you're inside the flagstick, the weaponry of the flagstick is lost. Hey, is there a way to turn the volume up, Lance, on this, Jacob? Yeah. I want to listen to the contact made and the, the last the second whipping. decision by the guy who's being hit to jump out of the way. At first, he decides, as he watches his this guy, I'm assuming they're friends at first and they're fighting now. We're friends. Uh, we're in friends. my mind, they were friends prior to this fight. In your mind. Uh, they're golfing together. They decide, he decides to stand there. Watch, he decides to stand there as the flag step. We got no sound. We got no sound. And yeah. here comes fail. the whack, and he decides to jump out of the way last minute. And he probably feels the, the brunt of this more because, as Paul's saying, the guy choked up and he got hit with the, the think, end of it. I'm thinking with the whack, with the whoosh that I'm imagining. Can you give us some fake sound? Can you guys make the sound effect of the whoosh? whoosh? Thank you. Uh, that, that's much better than you're doing with the sound. This is like um, the dude from Police Academy. No, I'm here. thinking. So these guys combined skills. They can make any sound. I'm, think, I'm thinking. What's now do a giraffe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I'm thinking of the, uh, the, the guy who's lashing himself in uh, Da Vinci Code. Oh, the yeah. albino lasher. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the for religious, the religious yeah. yeah. Paul yeah. Bettany was that the him? actor, I believe. Yeah, really? Vision. Wow, you can pull those out. Yeah. Paul, do you want me to help you with your earpiece live on air? No, I know that I'm <laughs> holding it up. I'm holding it on a hope. Oh, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, I just wanted to tune in for the. Well, we need we need more info that we can then relay to our viewers and listeners because I want to know the genesis of the fight, what caused the I fight. Know. I want to know the origin of the two women that walk up in the end, and they get right in the mix. But they're not physically trying to break. It's like they're talking to them talking about sense. stopping the, the fight, but they're right there in the middle of and it. And did these guys end up drinking together at the yeah, 19th Now we have hole. audio of this. Well, now we can now hear we do. The, now I can You're about to hear the, the whack here in just a moment. Of Yeah, so we, we have it cranked up now. <laughs> and everyone's standing around. David Reed taking a few punches here. The trash talk continues. Can't hear her. Yes. And I'm not sure what he threw at him there at the very end. It had to be a beer can. Was it a beer can? So. Now we're back to the start of it. Yeah, there. so here so here comes the, the, the flag. Here comes the flag. We'll actually be here this time. Here we go. Oh! <laughs> oh! Oh, better contact than I thought. Oh! Boy, the thump on the first punch also is equal to the... Here's something that we haven't covered. What's the genesis of this fight? I thought you gave me that putt. No, I didn't give you that putt. That's what I said. We got to get more info on this to find out where this fight started. And I want to know... I want to interview the blonde woman who walks up in the end just to get her mindset as she approached this fight. It's the very rare golf fight, though. Like, that's something that happens in church league basketball, but you'll never see on a golf course. Jacob, you're a golfer. What, uh, what's the biggest fight you ever had, and what do you think instigated this whole matter? If you had to guess, write us a beginning of this story. Uh, I've I, no I, I got nothing for these you. Are, these, are, <laughs> these are not the questions you asked, Jacob. I'm you sorry, let me I question like, Jacob, oh, right? Okay, yeah. I know You're when to go to Jacob. Yeah, Jacob. Yeah. yeah, I'll go to Jacob with a question. That was not, <laughs> that was not a Jacob question. Jacob has and I also am willing to bet there's a lot more golf fights that take place that aren't on film, just because it's guys drinking all day. Well, in a well, bar, though, like phones. afterwards when you're settling up a oh, bet. I, I think there's not, some shoving and pushing and shoving happen on the course, too. They have cell phones. I was thinking the same thing. It probably happens more often, but then I thought anything that happens now is filmed. So if they're out there, we'd see them. Chad, you've been not involved in a church league fight, but you've been in a basketball game where a church league fight broke out. I remember you coming in one morning and telling us about this. 
Oh, I've been half in, your team got suspended. I've been in multiple. Uh, <laughs> I haven't fought. The but, church has shut it down. Well, Ron Slay played on yeah. my team, a Vol legend, and he uh, at one point. The best way to describe it is like uh, ran from one half of the court to the other, and like like you would booty bop somebody, you know, back in middle school if you ran up and just like threw your butt into them. He threw the chest. He went chest first and chested a guy across <laughs> at least 15 feet. How small? Like a cartoon. Uh, much smaller than him because is everyone. he perceived the guy as taking a cheap shot and trying to c- cut Slay's legs from under him, I believe was the, the start of the fight. Doesn't sound wise. But, yeah, I've been involved in some – I've seen some melees in church league basketball. But everyone's seen I that. I would think the church would be upset. Oh, yeah, the church gets mad, and they'll, they'll throw you out. There's been teams suspended yeah. for the rest of the season because of it. And you're not getting your money back. I want to meet the person who's the liaison between the church and the league. (laughs) That's not a fun job. I've never come to blows in a basketball game, but I've been, you know, you squared up with Is the youth director the guy that has to be the in between? Oh, usually it's just the one ref that's there. Right, oh, the, the one the, wrestler. The solo ref, yeah. that poor And then guy. You've, got, you've always got like one college kid that's keeping score that like goes to the church, right, that's making a little bit of extra yeah. money. And that guy's like, uh, he's angry crying <laughs> as it's going on. You know, oh, he's like, on, just, why do you guys have to do this? It's, it's a church. <laughs> you know, it's just a guy's like completely beside himself. <laughs> You know, the, you, the, the, the guy in middle school Sounds or high school like gets so mad he cries. Yes. We always had the buddy that yes. would, he, instead of fighting, he would like get so angry he would cry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he tenses up and goes limp very quickly. That was, the, that was the dude at the scorer's table that's like motioning for everyone to get out. Just get out of here. This isn't a place for this. Mr. Lebowski with an excellent question that, that we had not considered. Is this a play-through situation? <laughs> oh, maybe that was the woman. She was kind of saying, "Can we play through? We go? Are you guys, you guys, done with this right That's now?" Um, v Love on Twitter says, "We won't apologize for anybody shotgunning beers at the D spot before Titans games. You should not apologize for, for fans shotgunning beers. Yes, never apologize for shotgunning beers at the D spot for fans. Again. If you're wearing a lanyard that says yes. employee." It's an issue. Well, if you have respons- work responsibilities for that game. Which he does, so I, I would say it's definitely an issue. It's turned into a job requirement. Yeah. Uh, now, now that's what gets people to defend you on social media. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. You can also follow us on Twitter, but also share the YouTube feed. Subscribe on YouTube uh, and, and find us on Facebook as well. I hear we're back on Facebook today. We are back. Hello. Hello, Mark Zuckerberg. We're back on your platform. We are back on Facebook Live and uh, back on Facebook to let you know about Manscaped.com. 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped.com with the code OK360. Chad Withrow has the box where your balls will be thanking you for the 3.0 trimmer, among many other things in here, Chad. Yeah, so you've got – now I'm looking at the box that, that we have. You can get 20% off this with that code. I've been going to the items that are not in this box, but this box is great. So I want to highlight some of them. How about the crop preserver? You can get that in this box. Of course, you have the trimmer. Uh, with the I've, flashlight. Light. I've spoken about the with trimmer. With the flashlight. It's an ergonomically like satisfying <laughs> feel. Sounds like hand. that. 
This is the perfect backlight like. 3.0 that Chad is pointing yeah. out. Yeah, there's like. so many great products in here. Is that pronounced flashlight or flashlight? <laughs> <laughs> See, these are the types of things you involve Jacob in, like this right here. Not golf fights. These <laughs> are golfer. These Jacob are the is an expert in one of those. We'll let yeah. you decide which one. Well, Jacob hasn't been a golfer since 2004. <laughs> 20% off and free shipping with the code OK360 at manscaped.com. Outkick 360. Follow the show at Outkick 360. You can do that on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can also find us on podcast wherever you download your podcast. And at the Twitter feed and through the link tree that is uh, attached to the top of all of our pages, you can find the link for the 360 Masters, which is coming up on Thursday, June the 10th, all to benefit the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Thursday night, June 10th, where we have 17 bays at Top Golf for Outkick 360 season ticket holders. You can join the fun, just sign up today. We have four or five bays remaining. Um, I, I saw another bay purchase come through for charity this morning. So I'm not sure if they purchased one or two. I'll have to go back and look, but we have four or five left. So a handful left if you want to get involved. Thursday night, June 10th, join us at Top Golf Nashville all to benefit the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. The headline today across college sports, and this is expected, uh, but the NCAA will officially allow one-time transfers. And there are roughly 1,400 players in college basketball that are in the transfer portal right now. They have until <clears throat> May 1st to jump into the portal if they're not already there. Um, and that's for fall and winter athletes. That includes football. But we are about to see free agency galore. And there are critics of this decision. There are those that are all for this decision. Uh, but regardless of what side of the fence you're on, we're about to find out just how much of free agency we're about to see and how much that it, if, if you're afraid of this, we're about to see why. Or why not? Uh, because... The recruiting is going to pick up even more so over the next two weeks. Well, so this falls under a category I'm going to say a lot on this show, and that is two things can be true. Two things can be true with this. One, it absolutely makes sense for the student-athlete. It's good for them, makes total sense, gives them more agency to make a decision and then uh, admit that it's a bad decision and go somewhere else and seek happiness in another program, at another school, for another coach, whatever it may be, just like – a coach who's getting paid can decide to leave whenever they want and go take another opportunity and go coach somewhere else. But here's the second part of this. This is not a universal good thing or a universal bad thing in my mind. It's good for the student athlete. It's bad for the sport. Um, there are a lot of things that we like about We compare the NFL to the NBA in this respect. We as fans like the control the teams have over the athletes. We like that they have to play and perform to get paid that they can get cut at any time. These are things that the Players Association would not like, and they've done a bad job of protecting their rights with this. Now that this is happening in college football, let's, let's keep it specifically to college football, men's college basketball at the, at the highest level. This opens up a free market to where it's going to, it's going to hurt the sport overall because the players are now going to have way too much control. What I mean by that is, this isn't, 
Now, this is not going to be all the time. This could be a rare moment, but players can dictate to the coach exactly what's going to go on. Terms. If they're upset about getting benched in one game for loafing mm-hmm. or making a mistake, that player's immediately in their mind going to go back to, man, I had Bill Self recruiting me. I, I had these guys recruiting me out of high school. I came here to play for this guy because I thought that he wanted what was best for me. And I'm going to go. Now, there's going to be plenty of reasons to leave. Playing time. You know, guys are going to transfer down. We're seeing that a lot in the transfer portal. You know, Tennessee's lost transfers. They're all going down mm-hmm. a level for the most part because they weren't playing at Tennessee. That's great. You can go somewhere else and start, good. If you're a guy who's playing at a smaller school, you're doing well, and you get a chance to go to Duke or North Carolina and finish out your career, great if you want to take that opportunity. But if you're a guy who goes somewhere, gets upset one time, and makes an irrational decision based on that, and leaves, it weakens the sport. It weakens college coaches also. Now you could, on the flip side, say it strengthens those who are really good at building relationships and keeping guys happy, and it weakens some other coaches. But I just think it's a, it's a scenario where two things can be true. It's, it's what's right. It's what's best for the student-athlete. And if we're looking at what's best for the student-athlete, this fits the bill. It also weakens the sport. I, I, wonder, uh, yeah, I, I worry about the Wild West yep. uh, element of it. And there's going to be a lot more of it. Too many people in it. And I think, I wonder about the math of it. For every kid that's got a reasonable reason to leave, um, how many are, getting, uh, are being impatient or are listening to bad advice? You know, uh, maybe know that they should stay or have an inkling that they should stay, but are hearing from parents or uh, relatives or friends, man, you got, you got to get out of there. They're not treating you right. You're not getting enough minutes. You're not getting enough shots. You're not getting enough whatever. Um, and there's a lot of bad actors in, in college sports uh, or, or hearing from a booster somewhere else. Hey, if you come here, you're go- or a coach somewhere else. Hey, if you come here, you got all these false promises that, that go on in, in certain kind of recruiting and you're reopening that. Um, that said, you know, I also wonder about the future of it. I, I want a kid to be able to get out of a bad situation without huge consequences. But where do you draw the lines and how do you shape the parameters for it? Um, you know, after we see what happens here, could there be some good that comes out of it? And how do you shape those, those rules? It's a tricky situation. Well, the NCAA and the SEC allowed that one-time blanket transfer waiver due to COVID. Um, and, you know, now... I, I'm a believer that this has been going on behind the scenes for a while. You just don't have to sit out a year. You, or you did have to sit out a year to do it. Which now you it, don't. Yeah, which uh, it, this well, that's will a big consequence sitting out a for, year. Well, what it does, um, you know, for those that are, this is going to change the landscape of the sport, it will in a way because there are some, I, I, I do think there are some, believe it or not, decent human beings and coaches who try to follow the rules and the landscape of the structure. Uh, and then there are those who, who don't. And I think you have to change the way you recruit right now or you're going to lose those current players. You have to re-recruit certain players that are on the fence within your own roster, within your own uh, team, and your locker room. It's happening right now at a lot of places. But also the ability just to leave spring practice one day and drive down the road to another SEC program and join their spring practice the next. Yeah. And enroll in school. Um you know, some of those things, again, it's not going to happen all the time, but players now have the ability, if they're fed up with a coach or they're angry about something, you get enough guys banded together 
that want to walk at the same time, you can blow up a program. Yeah. You, can, you can ruin the season. You can say, well, hey, good luck now. 30 of us are leaving all at once and scattering around the country so, and going elsewhere. So let's just say on average, 15 teams or 15 players are on a college basketball team. There are reportedly 1,400 players in the transfer portal right now. That's enough to field 93 teams of 15 players each. This practically, I mean, we're going to see a lot of musical chairs here. But how many of them, I mean, there's a lot of math, like I said. How many of them are fringe guys that are non-factor? Yeah, they're in the portal to test the waters or whatever it might be. And there will be more. I mean, they have two more weeks to decide whether or not to do it or not. Well, the good news is, especially in basketball, you can completely reinvent yourself from one year to the next. Sure. You can completely turn over your roster. If you don't like what you saw Mm -hmm. on the court, uh, coaches have the ability, you know, this guy's not going to play, this guy's not producing, they can go somewhere else, you bring in a totally new team because that transfer portal is going to be stocked every single year. Uh, football is the new one. You know, basketball is really trending that direction now with the ability to do that in football. It's a, it's a little bit different. It, it, ju- it does put a premium on coaches' ability to bring in the right type of people for their program. That's a cultural fit. To have a culture that's pronounced, to bring the right players in that fit that culture and what you're doing, and to keep them there and keep them engaged. And walking that fine line, Paul, of not treating them like a baby and not telling them what they want to hear and being their coach and being a disciplinarian, but also not running everyone off because you're such a hard liner. Right, guys who are going to want to stay in your culture who you're not going to have to re-recruit like you're talking about. Because, you know, I hate the power dynamic, Mm -hmm. so I don't want the coach – to have so much power that he's, you know, controlling these kids or has vendettas against a kid that's, that, that wishes he wasn't there anymore but can't get out. But I also don't want it to flip to the other side like you're talking about where 15 kids want to leave a football program. They can they cost the guy his job, maybe not for the right reasons. You know, in some situations, yeah, yeah, a coach who's not handling the program the right way should suffer the consequences. But where's the balance there in terms of the coach doesn't have to – to constantly be recruiting his own team. I don't want that scenario. That's going to be the scenario at a lot of places. I don't want that. But I also I don't, don't think want you have to do scenario. it at, at, at Bama if you're Saban or if you're a program like that. But you better believe Josh Heupel at Tennessee is going to be sucking up to a lot of his players. Right. And they're going so they can field a football team on Saturdays and everyone doesn't leave. He's also well, going to be doing that with players in the portal yeah. right now. Yeah, and, and it, it eliminates the de-recruitment. Yeah. You know, the coaches always joke, we recruit you, we get you there, then we have to de-recruit you and tell you how bad you are to get you to work hard in order to play, it eliminates that process. But I also, I also don't want it on the end where the coach feels like, you know, if I don't count out of these kids, they're going to get me fired. Yeah. You know? Welcome uh, to the NBA. Yeah. yeah, right. That's the other. It's a great point. So you got to find some kind of balance. And do I trust the NCAA to figure out what that balance is? Absolutely not. It amazes me how easily NBA players can have their coach fired. Huh. It's like Borat. They, they control everything. <laughs> or no, well, the dictator. Um, <laughs> and that, that's what would happen. Instead of having an entire team leave right now, The wouldn't the college just get rid of the coach to keep the players? Yep. That, I mean, that's the NBA model. Depending on how successful the coach was, but right. yeah, that, that, would, that would probably how be the case. How solid is your program? How solid is your AD? How solid is the, the roster? Right. And you're also playing that guessing game of, well, if I've got 10 guys leaving the program, can I go get 10 bodies that are leaving other programs you know, to come in, even if they're not as good, to, to keep a roster healthy? I know a good long snapper uh, slash linebacker. Yeah. 
And, but, and that this is this is the situation. And this happens with coaching changes all the time. But now it's just going to be more a coach gets fired or leaves. We are leaving immediately to go somewhere else and play right away. Before you had to factor in the, do I want to leave and sit out for an entire season? And as you alluded to, football is a bigger deal in terms of continuity. Uh, you know, basketball, you change out three guys, you know, they could be up to snuff in, in no time in your system, right? In football, especially if you're a new coach, you know, year two, you need some continuity. If you have that kind of turnover, you start yeah. from scratch in year two again. I, I think there, there will be a lot of assumptions made that plans are now being formed now for two weeks from now, right? Right. I think the smartest coaches and programs have been planning for this in anticipation that this is going to happen. There's a reason there are nearly 1,400 players already in the portal because they expected this to happen. So my guess is the best coaches, the top programs, honestly, some of the worst programs should have had a should have right now a plan in place of the players they're taking on a to, to fill needs. I don't. I, I think if you go into this with the idea that you're going to take care of all your recruiting issues and this is going to be your focus, I think you're setting up to lose. I, I think you, you, in, in basketball and in football, you take a, one or two, a handful of players for need-based results that can come in and help you immediately. And that, that would be my focus as a program. I would still, my energy and core values would still be focused around the high school recruits. Well, so leaving out, uh, I only made a small mention of families, parents, right? And I think you want to recruit yeah. out of families where the parents are going to say, um, son, you're making a commitment to this guy. If he follows through on his end, you're following through on your end, and you're not going to run if times get tough. It, you know, it's a long-term commitment deal here unless something really goes awry. That's certainly part of it. And, and I would just caution people who think the money will always be there, right? It, can you get too fat and happy for your own good and, and just make assumptions about things? I do think the long-term residual effect on this is a negative for college sports in that one of the things that college sports fans love about their schools is you associate the players who were there for three or four years. Mm. If there are fewer and fewer players that are there for three, four years that you associate with some of your favorite players, basketball, football, whatever it may be, then it does eventually have a cul- – it's a culmination of all these things that go down where you're not as interested in your school. You're not as interested in your team as maybe you were before. It's going to take a while to get there. We're going to need to see the results of this rule also first before we make any broad sweeping uh, assumptions that it's going to be this way so, for everyone. But it does, it does hurt. How much of one and done hurt? It hurts. Ask Kentucky fans. There is a large if segment of Kentucky fans that hate the one and done. Yeah, but if you're winning a national championship in exchange for it. Well, I don't, I don't look at it as the early one and done. I think it's the reverse one and done, where you get a guy that hasn't been, uh, you know, hasn't been the star on his current team or is like the sixth man, and you have him come in and give you a boost. on your. It, uh, this, is, this is not just for basketball now. We, we, we've seen coaches at mid-majors do the reverse one and done and have the, the redshirt senior come in for one year and be the leader of a team, and then you just rinse and repeat over and over again. Yeah. Um, it, we've seen it work in basketball. Now are we, are we about to see it work in football? Are, are college coaches in, across the football landscape going to be able to find those types I of players them, going that to come in. A program. And, yeah. and, and you'll know by May 1st 
how your roster sets up going into the fall. Well, it, it makes it, to me, this is a much better rule for basketball for this reason. The bigger programs that can get big-time players can really take some chances and cycle in a bunch of guys each year. Yeah. We're seeing it at Tennessee right now. Yeah. Well, if those guys don't work out, if uh, Devontae Gaines and Drew Pember and EJ Inasicki don't work out, they, they can always go to UNC Asheville or George Mason where some of these guys are transferring or ETSU. Right? They can go there and star and, and get playing time and be a player there. But it works in the reverse way, too. If there's a guy at George Mason who's lighting it up and Tony Bennett and Virginia want that player, well, then they can elevate themselves and go start and fill a need for one of these other teams because there's less bodies involved. The problem in football is you rely on developmental guys who may not see the field until their junior year that are going to be depth guys until then because you have to have bodies to play football. Are those guys going to stick around for two years Wait at Ole Miss or Arkansas or Tennessee or Vandy and not play? Or are they going to decide to try to go somewhere else that recruited them where they think they can play right away? Because you need, I mean, in college football, you need those guys who are character kids yes. that stick around and maybe they don't start until their fifth year, senior year. Well, this goes to but what, they're there the whole this time. goes to what Hutton was saying about the the quality of the program. Hopefully those kids, it, hopefully if, if you're a fan of that program, right, You've if you're that kid, you've seen the classes ahead of you, friends of yours, go through that. You've been, you know, on the bench, then you've been a special teamer and you've grown into in time into those roles. And you've seen your friends do that and have success with it and enjoy their time at Ole Miss or wherever. Probably not turning into a pro, the kind of kid that you're talking about, right? But have right. a good college mm-hmm. experience and a good career as an NCAA athlete. And if they've seen that in a good program, then they want what I want what my buddy who was a, a senior had when I'm a sophomore. If you've got a good program and you lay that out for them, then you have it. But if you've got a scramble all the time going on, and, uh, you know, what, we've heard a recruiting story where a guy took a guy to midfield and said, like, hey, you've had a great recruiting weekend here, but you don't want to come here. Uh, Coming up, we'll discuss the 49ers and Rams and the decision that the two teams within the same division made this offseason about the direction of their franchise at the quarterback position and which one we think actually will work quickest. Uh, We will discuss that decision and how it impacts as a ripple effect with the trade value for the quarterback position across the board. That's next on OutKick 360. So a big trade that happened across the NFL before we even started the show, which today's day 24 of OutKick 360, was Matthew Stafford to the Rams. We're about to go through the price tag that they paid, but there were three teams that Stafford's camp reportedly had shown interest in from his standpoint. The Indianapolis Colts, who would not trade their first round pick, which is pick 21. They pick one spot ahead of the Tennessee Titans. They would not part ways with pick 21 with the Lions. There was the Rams, who of course he ends up going to, and he also was interested in going out west to play for the San Francisco 49ers, who, to my knowledge, never made an offer. And if they did, it wasn't even close to being competitive. But they paid virtually the same price to move up to pick number three. So they've chosen to go with the rookie 
over the veteran Matthew Stafford. As we compare the prices, the Rams sent two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and Jared Goff to the Lions in exchange for Matthew Stafford. And the 49ers sent two first-round picks and a third-rounder this year in exchange to move up to draft their future quarterback. Now, they keep Garoppolo, but they didn't make an offer for Stafford to begin with, and they trade the same amount of first-round picks to move up those spots to get in position to draft their quarterback that they, that they choose worthy of pick number three. Well, the one difference, the 49ers <clears throat> kept uh, – it stayed in the first round, right? I mean, they, they traded 12 to get to three. You know what I mean? So Yeah, so they're in the first round at pick three. Right. The Rams didn't have a first rounder this year to deal with to Detroit. So Detroit doesn't have anything in the first round to get golf instead. The golf, to me, is a non-factor in this trade. I mean, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. I think they should be looking for him now. They're going to wind up looking for him next year after they discover for themselves that Goff was at his best a product of McVay's offense, I think. Um, so I'm on the Stafford side of it. It is odd how similar these deals are, um, and it's a good good topic. And the 49ers knew that Stafford was interested in going out west. Yeah. And it's the same division, which makes it even more intriguing. And here's the other thing you would say. Well, the difference in salary is going to be significant, right? The rookie is going to be far cheaper. Well, the rookie is going to be cheaper. But Stafford's numbers are not outrageous. Stafford's cap this year is $20 million. That's a reasonable cap number for a veteran starting quarterback. 23 next year, then 23 voids, uh, the 2023 voids. So he's under contract for two years at 20 and 23 against the cap. Very reasonable numbers. Is that virtually what they're paying Garoppolo and San Fran? Yeah, I think Garoppolo's higher, more like 25 and plus. I'm on the Stafford side, proven entity, Great arm, going to allow the Rams to push more than they've pushed. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the Rams, look, they've got an interesting strategy here. They're a pickless team. They're not, uh, they haven't had a first-round pick in some time. They're not going to have a first-round pick in some time. They dealt for Jalen Ramsey. Mm -hmm. They've dealt for Stafford. There was maybe one other guy that I'm forgetting. I think they're going to go a six-year period here, five or six years without a first-round draft pick. And if I'm a fan of the Rams – I mean, team, fans are always calling for these outrageous trades. Sacrifice the picks. Go get the players. Well, here it is. Let's see if it works. Well, and it's a win-now versus win-later approach is what it looks like to me. I, I prefer the 49ers approach in trading up and getting that third pick and building around a franchise quarterback, whoever it may be at that point. But I don't also look at the teams and think that one is necessarily built for a Super Bowl now versus the other. They're both good teams, right? So it's not like the 49ers are in total rebuild mode, but they well, need that to go entire get a division, That entire division is very It's stacked. So it, th to me, that's the two different approaches. It's get the proven guy now, give up a lot on the front end, but let's have a window here and make a run at a Super Bowl. And then for the 49ers, it's we don't – clearly they feel like they don't have their guy currently, so let's trade up in the draft and go get a franchise but quarterback. it's not just – it's not like they're choosing Trevor Lawrence. Right, that's the thing. For Matthew, they're, they're choosing the third quarterback in the draft over Matthew Stafford. It's Jones, it's Fields, right? like, or so it's like at, Lance. Lance. So as, as you evaluate that decision, uh, at, at the time, people didn't think they were going to keep Garoppolo as they traded up. And I, I think this is a sign that 
they in fact are. I don't. I don't expect him to get moved on draft weekend. Well, they've said that they're keeping him. Yeah, but we'll people see. don't believe that. They, they're like, don't buy. Those are hollow words. I don't know that there's much of a market for Garoppolo. Like, who's looking for Garoppolo right now? Well, Chicago's the, made its move with Dalton. Like, who's you know the the Patriots QB1. have made it pretty clear. Yeah that they're not in the market for him. Those reports have been pretty strong from pretty strong reporters in New England. So who's the team? The Panthers have made their move. So who's the team? Well, we also don't know, does Kyle Shanahan love one of those quarterbacks? Are they in love with Mac Jones? Or well, they Trey clearly Lance are. They're not Justin making Fields. that move. Yeah, I don't know why you trade love, what you trade. Love something. Right. But point being, I mean, they could be looking at it like, we got our guy, our starter this year. There's no learning period here. We, we believe so much in one of these guys that we're going to roll with them now on a good team. And also the only reason you have to move or you would want to move Garoppolo is the finances, right? I mean, you right. want, that's a good backup quarterback for a rookie. Uh, you know, as soon as you move him, then you're, well, we've got to find ourselves an assurance. What's, who's the guy that started some games for them? He's still probably under contract. Bethard, not Bethard, who's the other one that, that, that had a little bit of success? I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name. They might have a third quarterback that's a C.J. Bethard's out there. They drafted reasonable. him. Yeah, Mullins? then he got hurt. Mullins? Mullins. Um, you know, so if Mullins is there, he's a capable backup. You know, if you have to play somebody a couple games, you wouldn't want – you don't want any of your backups starting a bunch well, of games. But, but Garoppolo could. Garoppolo is – to me, that's the best opportunity to win now. The question is, how long is now? Like, how long is the window it's before? It's always the question, right? Yeah, so, like, if you're drafting Justin Fields at pick number three, or Mac Jones, well, everyone thinks it's Mac Jones. But if if Shanahan wants to run that boot action, you get the quarterback out of the pocket and throw on the, throw on the move, that's Justin Fields, right? That's Trey Lance. Uh, but we'll use Fields as the example. If you're wanting to groom and mold that quarterback, isn't it great to have a Garoppolo option, even if it's for a handful of games until you have to insert the rookie because the record will dictate that. Um, the, the question is, how long does this last with Garoppolo as the guy making the money he's making with the price tag that they just paid to move up and get their guy? And does he stay healthy or do you have well, a situation where Garoppolo is in there until he gets hurt? Like Terod Taylor did. Yeah, but you know <laughs> how I feel about that. Like, does he stay healthy? Of course. Like that, the the whole health. If if Javian Clowney can stay healthy, he'll be no, a great player. I, of course. Right. But uh, with Clowney well, and with Garoppolo, they have they have injury histories where it's not right. if it's when. Right. You know, there's always the if. With these guys, there's the when. Garoppolo just doesn't stay healthy the way Clowney now doesn't stay healthy. I mean, so that forces your timetable with the quarterback and let's, instead of let, letting you choose it. Don't we like the Rams situation at quarterback in terms of new yes. QB? Just, just immediately. Yes. I, I think the Rams offense becomes, you know, it, it's been a good offense when golf was at his best. He's fallen off and clearly couldn't take them to the next level. Now Stafford with that arm uh, takes them from short and intermediate to everything is on the table. And mm-hmm. I think a McVay offense with everything on the table is very intriguing. I'm very anxious to see what that looks like. Well, they have a semblance of a run game there, which he didn't have in Detroit, <clears throat> and a defense. Which they definitely <laughs> did not have this last couple of years in Detroit. But the I mean. 49ers are also like, I brought this up, I was on with, uh, with, with Clay for Outkick, the, the coverage uh, yesterday. 
and he was asking me about how I felt about the, the way the quarterbacks stack up. And I said, I, it's hard for me to look through the lens of just the quarterback. I'm comparing to the team we think they're going to. So if you tell me any of these quarterbacks are going to play for Shanahan and the 49ers, I feel a lot better about that situation than I do the Jets who have their pick ahead of San Fran and any quarterback they want that's not named Trevor Lawrence. Um, it, it's hard for me to look through the lens of just the QB. Because I think Shanahan has a, a lot to do with, just like McVay will do with, with Stafford. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are certainly strata of coaches now and uh, the, the coach who can uh, elevate a quarterback is at a premium. You know, he's always been at a premium and he's at an ultra premium now. And those are certainly two of them. Uh, and one of them is going to have to be patient. Uh, and one of them's got everything open to him on opening day. A lot to hit coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour. The Tennessee Vols recruiting uh, on, on both the basketball and football front. We'll discuss the biggest headlines from today. Also, a Titans draft discussion about positions of need. And of that group, which positions we would be willing to gamble on for the next 12 or so months until the next NFL draft. All of that and more straight ahead on OutKick 360.